Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love and the law of attraction means that no matter what you have or have not done, you are worthy of love. Join Mary Knight in a fun, frank, in-depth exploration of love and the role the law of attraction plays in dating, marriage, and even our sex lives. Get answers to your most difficult questions about men, women, and love. Every show, Mary will share her most effective tools, tips, and tricks for making love and the law of attraction work for you. Here's Mary. Hi and welcome. Today's show is going to be very different from the other shows that I've done because this is a rebroadcast of a podcast that I did earlier this year. Now, before I got with Law of Attraction uh, Radio Network, I had my own podcast called How to Keep Your Man Out of My Bed, the podcast. And it I got that title from my number one best-selling book, How to Keep Your Man Out of My Bed. And what that podcast was... It was me interviewing people who either were or still are in the sex industry, whether they were working as escorts, uh, a sugar baby, or a phone sex operator. And then I also interviewed two men who had uh, frequently hired escorts at one time in their life. And it was a very interesting conversation to have with those men because they were so honest about what led them to cheat on their wives. One of the the men that I interviewed um, went by the name of Sam. That's not his real name. But that is the interview that I am going to play here for you today. It's pretty controversial. We talk about adult things, but we don't use crude language. It's not controversial in in that. Um, It's just the the subject matter, the, the things we talk about, it's just a a very different take on the relationships between men and women. It's very different than I've ever heard discussed. And it's, it's really fascinating because Sam is extremely intelligent, very insightful, and you can hear it in the interview. But I want to go back to, to my old podcast. Now, I did 11 episodes of it. I really enjoyed doing it. But I quit doing it because, as a law of attraction expert, I realized that if I continued to talk about my past, it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to be in my life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And I think what really hit home to me that it was time for me to move away from that was I got married. It just didn't feel right to me anymore to continue to talk about my experiences with other men, even though those those other men were clients. You know, it doesn't matter. It's still me talking about being in relationships with other men. And, of course, my husband knows about my past. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I need to keep talking about it. So 
again, just as a law of attraction expert and in wanting to, to move forward, it's not so much that I'm like, oh, I'm going to put my past behind me. It, because it's definitely a part of of who I am and, and why I have some of the expertise that I have. So it's not that I'm, I'm trying to shut that down. It's just that um, I don't need to be talking about it all the time anymore. But this interview is so compelling. I felt that it was very important that I share it with y'all. So enjoy. This interview is going to make some folks angry because Sam has the guts to say things that many men think and feel but don't ever say out loud because it's, well, it's just not politically correct. It is a complex topic, and we do our very best to to discuss it here. I think I could do a whole podcast just on, on that one topic, and, and you'll, you'll see in here what I mean by that, and I have a feeling I'm going to be getting some, a lot of emails on this one, some emails of people being angry, and just as many as people agreeing with what he said. Now, Sam says that he doesn't think that he's, he's right, but he also doesn't think that he's wrong. Because what we're discussing is, why is it okay for a wife to deny her husband sex? Why do we act like women have to be coaxed into sex? Why do we put so much burden on the man and put him in a position where a lot of men feel like they have to talk their wives into it? Why is it accepted that married men go for prolonged periods of time without sex and are still expected to remain faithful? Have we gotten this all backwards? Let's talk to Sam and find out. I grew up with my uh, with my father and my stepmother. She was a stay-at-home mom, and he, he did a handful of things, um, primarily real estate stuff. We went to church every Sunday. We were Baptists, quote unquote, but we definitely didn't live what I would call, we didn't live what we pretended to be on Sundays. They were strict, but not in what I would think was a very godly fashion, you know, kind of just more domineering or mean for, for a lack of a better description. It's just not what I would assume if I was very religious. I don't think that that's how I would act. It just wasn't a very loving environment. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, they were just, they were both incredibly abusive verbally, physically, which to me just does, really doesn't match up with the teachings of Christianity. How old were you when you started dating? And were you comfortable around girls? I got interested in girls when I was very young. I lost my virginity when I was in um, sixth grade. And so I think that, that was, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Once, once I found out, out about sex, that was kind of the focus for me. So from sixth grade on through um, all the way through high school, yeah, I was, um, you know, dated as much and actually, you know, met my, my ex-wife um, in high school and was with her, you know, from, a, I guess, from, from when we were about sophomores through, uh, through high school. So, but I pretty much probably always had a little girlfriend. So how old were you when you got married? I was 19. We got pregnant when um, unexpectedly we got engaged and had planned a, you know, a, a decently long engagement and um, then got pregnant 
and kind of had to do the shotgun style wedding, which is pretty Baptist of me. And she's she's Catholic, so we 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 were following the standard guidelines. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Yay. When did you first hear about strippers and and hookers and escorts and all that kind of stuff? Like, how old were you? Well, what was going on in your life? Strippers would be, you know, probably in my early 20s from the standpoint that with work, I, you know, had an outside sales job and we primarily sold to um, like general contractors. And so I would have general contractors that that's what they would want to do. They would want to meet for lunch at the strip club. So, and I can tell you at that time, I was very, it made me very uncomfortable. It made me very nervous. I felt like I was doing something wrong. And, you know, it's certainly something that I, you know, felt that I had to hide from my wife because she was a very jealous, that's not, you know, she, that's not something she would have been able to handle. Understandably, Mm -hmm. that's something that I wouldn't have been comfortable with with the role reversed. So um, I was comfortable with women, but not in a, not in that fashion. I was very intimidated by that environment. And if they, you know, guys were like, hey, give him a dance, it was felt very awkward to me and it was very embarrassing or I was just very uncomfortable. Because you felt like you were doing something wrong or because you were in such an overtly sexual environment? You know, I I would guess it's probably a combination of both of those. Yeah, it was just, you know, I felt, I don't know, I felt out of, out of, you know, out of my place, I guess. You know, I just wasn't, I'm a very confident person by nature and professionally, have always been, you know, very dominant and, you know, real type A personality. And so when, you, when I got in that environment and all of a sudden I felt a, a little bit uncomfortable, then that just kind of parlayed from there. Meaning like you just were like, oh, gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm not supposed to be here. Or, I mean, did, did, you, feel, did you feel turned on? Yes, I did. And that, that's one of the things that made me feel even more uncomfortable about it. Right. So you've got so you're going to this place, you're being turned on, and you're also having to hide it from your wife. But you had to do it as part of your job. Is that yes, yes. And and then what was weird about it was I had to at first, but then it turned into something that then I was starting to make that recommendation. And so I think it's something that I became more and more comfortable with to the point to where then it was what I wanted to be doing. You know, I think when I get married so young, there's a little bit of a, you know, maybe a lack of independence and I had kids. And so everything was about all these things that I had to do. And that was something that I had control over. And it was me, me being independent. Basically, you know, yeah, I just think it was something that I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to do, but that there was no way I was going to get caught. And there's, you know, for whatever reason, um, there was so there was some excitement there, and, and it was also just, you know, that was me being independent. It was me doing what I wanted to do. And how were things at home with you and your wife at the time? You know, it's funny when I was listening to one of your other podcasts. I can't remember who said it, but it just resonated so much. I mean, I was, I was a wallet and a sperm donor. I mean, we when. When my ex-wife, right after she delivered our first child, she looked over at me and said, now I actually know what love is. And we had been together for 
four years or five years or something like that. And, and literally our relationship was, you know, a hundred percent based on the kids and not that that's not normal, but if I went to her and said something about, you know, our sex life lacking or us needing to fix some things about our relationship, her response would be that you can talk to me about this when the kids are all grown, that until the kids are grown, you know, my main responsibility in life is to be their mother and I'm not going to entertain, I'm not going to entertain conversations about anything else. So I just felt like I was there to basically pay for things. And as long as everything was paid for, then I was supposed to be doing what all the other dads did. I should be golfing like the other dads are golfing and, you know, just kind of living a very suburban suburban lifestyle but it was a very loveless marriage you did what actually what a, a lot of men actually i'll say fail to do which is go hey hon uh what about me i mean when we started having the you know our kind of our last set of problems when before we had children we had a very very adventurous sex life there was when I started seeing escorts, there weren't things that I was trying to mark off my list. You know, we had done anything that I think anyone can think of and it and enjoyed it. We had an awesome, awesome sex life. And then when, after she had had our second child, things just started to become very, very mundane. And because she felt like she was a mom now. And, and that's what she said. She was like, I'm not comfortable doing these things that we used to do because I'm, I'm somebody's mom, and that's not what a mom is supposed to do, which was very difficult for me because, you know, at the end of the day, and I think it's this way for a lot of men, but, you know, sex is incredibly important to me, probably more important than it should be. But with, when that went away, selfishly enough, it was like kind of like, what am I in this for? You know, now, you know, now should I even want to have sex with me? So not only did the variety of what we were doing in the bedroom go down, but the frequency went down tremendously. And granted, over, over the span of seven or eight years, we had four children. So, you know, she was pregnant a lot of the time. But that said, it didn't, that didn't pacify my sexual desire. What's never made sense to me is a wife can say to her husband, like, we're not connected right now. So I don't want to, you know, have sex with you or I'm not in the mood or I'm tired. So basically, and so, well, I don't want to, so we're not going to. Well, to me, and this is kind of how my mind works. I mean, I didn't want to take out the trash. I didn't want to go to church on Sunday. I didn't want to do half the things that she wanted me to do. And so in the way my mind works, it was always like, well, that's unfair. And I understand that sex is a bigger deal than taking out the trash, but on the same token, to me, you have to sometimes do things that you don't necessarily want to do. And, you know, once you start having sex, you're going to get into it, you know, much more so than once I start taking out the trash, I'm going to get into it. But that was something that never fit in my head and that will probably prevent me from ever getting married again. I appreciate your being so frank about this because it is something that it's kind of a weird topic to talk about in this way because it almost sounds like you're like well you should just do it because it's it's just part of of your duty but i i know that that's not what you're saying 
but it can come across that way because it's like, you're right, like y'all are in love. Y'all had chemistry at one point. It's not like you're just some random dude going, hey, how about a blowjob? How about a little bit of sex? It's like you're someone that she loves. Y'all are in love. Y'all have a sexual relationship. And, yeah, why can't she just open up a little bit? Just open up a little bit. Be willing to consider it. I talk to women about that a lot. Be willing to consider it. Remember that he's your husband. Remember you love him. Remember the good times and go from there. Well, and I think the other thing for me, and I think this is probably the case for, you know, every man, but it's the constant rejection. It's the don't touch me or any advance that you make at all, trying to cuddle up on the couch or give him a kiss in bed is immediately assumed as an advance for sex. And so even if you're not saying, hey, let's, you know, let's, let's get after it, you're being told no all the time. And when, they're, when you're living in these beautiful homes and driving brand new cars and your kids are in private school and you kind of feel like you're doing things as good as any provider could possibly do things, and it, to me, I was like, what else, what else do I have to do? You know, and I, again, I mean, I'm not saying that that's right, but I know that for me, the constant rejection had a really, really large impact because it impacted my self-esteem. I, like when I got divorced or when I started seeing escorts, I had this real big question in my mind as to how desirable was I. I was like, well, maybe the reason she doesn't want to sleep with me is because I'm no good in bed or she doesn't enjoy it or kind of all these things that, you know, were not the case, but I didn't know. And so my mind would just kind of run, kind of run rampant with possibilities, which was very, very difficult for me. The idea of being undesirable is, is very difficult. The constant rejection was really, it just, because then you're kind of begging, you know, it's kind of like, please, please, please. And it's like, that's not, you know, I was this dynamic businessman you know, where I had the attention of the world and as a young man had, you know, 300 employees and was a big deal professionally. And then at home, I was just kind of in the way, which is, a, which is part of the reason why I work so much. I mean, I, I didn't want to be at home. At home, oh, I was kind of a second-class citizen. Well, yeah, I wasn't welcome. You know, everything I did with the kids, I didn't, I wasn't doing this right. I wasn't changing diapers right. I didn't, you know, I was getting frustrated too quick and which getting frustrated too quick. That's probably a very real thing because I was young with, you know, little kids and little kids are frustrating. I didn't feel at home. I felt more at home at work than I did, um, than I did at home. God, that's so weird to even say out loud. Yeah, I bet it's it's weird that that is a real thing because why would a woman treat a man that way? Don't you know? Don't don't women know all the dirtbags there are in the world? And then there's guys like you who are really want to be part of the family and really want to make things work, and you've got a woman who is just dismissive. Well, for sure, and I think that what what happens from that, and I'm not trying to say that it's not you know that I wasn't a large portion, but I think what happens is then you start to pull away. So then you start to say like, okay, well, if this is my role and this is my role, so then you're helping less around the house and you're, you just, the disconnect because we weren't working through it together diligently, 
you know, what I've learned from it is that a relationship requires a tremendous amount of work, that you have to be very present. You have to constantly be, you know, reconnecting and ensuring that everyone's happy and all those kinds of things. And we didn't. And so slowly but surely, we just got more and more and more and more distant. And was there a time when you went to her and very seriously said, we have got to do something about this. This is not working for me. I can remember the day. I can remember I can remember where I was standing. I can remember what she was wearing. I mean, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's something that I'll, I'll never, ever forget it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically that's exactly what I said. I was like, if, you know, and it was, it was literally purely a sexual conversation. I was like, if you're not going to start sleeping with me on a regular basis, I'm going to leave you. And that's when she made the comment of if, you know, if you can't wait till the kids are grown to be so selfish, then go ahead and leave. Wow. So before that time, well, you know, let me finish that. Let's just finish that. So what happened? So that's when I, so then I went to work and at the time I had a business partner that was in his fifties. And real successful guy. He'd been married for, you know, to the same woman since he was in his 20s and their kids were grown. And he had been seeing escorts for years. I mean, but he was in more of a marriage where I had a lot of respect for my wife. And it was almost that the idea of cheating on her was so despicable to me because I would not want another woman to feel like she was getting over on my wife. I don't even know if it makes sense the way I'm saying it, but go to on bachelor, I'd go to bachelor parties in Vegas where opportunities to cheat are plentiful, and I would never even consider it because to me it was I wasn't going to allow some other woman to disrespect my wife, like almost removing myself from the situation. So, but yeah, so you know this business partner of mine had he'd go see escorts and then he'd was the kind of guy that, you know, he'd have a, you know, a young stripper that he was paying for her apartment and that he'd go see when he wanted to go see. And he was always transparent about that with me and talked about it all the time. So I went back to him and said, man, I need to, you know, I need your lawyer's information. I'm going to go ahead and start the process to get a divorce. And he talked to me about the financial burden that that was going to put on he and I's company. And that he really didn't want me to do that. And he really wanted to understand why, you know, why did I have to get a divorce? She won't, we, we don't, we might have sex once a month. And he said, why don't you, if it's just about sex here, he got on the internet and showed me a website and said, you know, started showing me pictures of different women and explained to me how it worked. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the beginning of it. I would say that from that day, to the day that I saw um, the first escort that I saw, it probably wasn't a week. How did you pick a woman? Well, you know, he had shown me, he had the whole process down. So he showed me, here's, here's the website where you can find girls. And then here's the website where other guys are reviewing those girls. And so I just kind of went through that process and, you know, I'd look and find one that I was super attracted to, which, I mean, that's, 
that's plentiful. I mean, these are, you know, these are not, I think a lot of times when people think like, you know, they, oh, you're going to go see a hooker and they think of what this Hollywood's image of, you know, this woman wandering the streets at night, which was what my, you know, when he told me initially, I was like, gross, you know, my, my ex-wife is gorgeous. I mean, she's a stone cold fox. And that was, you know, what I would be attracted to, am attracted to. And then he takes me to this website and these women are just stunningly beautiful. So check that off the list. And then I go and read reviews from other, you know, customers of theirs talking about how fun they are. And then the reviews actually are pretty detailed. And so then from there, I went and called, called one and, you know, I guess they kind of run you through a little bit of a background check and verify that you are who you say you are and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, then I went to go see her. And then what happened? It was a trip. Um, so I can remember driving from my office and just being so riddled with fear and so incredibly nervous to where I was driving to the appointment and got about halfway there and turned around and started driving back to my office and then turned around and started driving back to see her and literally turned my car around two or three times and then eventually got there. And then I drove around the neighborhood looking, you know, inside empty cars, trying to see if there was, you know, if this was a police sting or pretty much anything that you can think of. I was filled with fear. And actually when I got there, I had a really hard time getting an erection, which is not something I had ever experienced in my life before, but I was just so anxious, you know, and I think that a lot of it, a lot of it was performance anxiety. It wasn't anything other than me thinking on the way to see her, this is a woman that has lots of sex. What if I'm no good? Or I don't want to, I don't want to come too fast because that would be embarrassing or, you know, and I have a tendency to get pretty stuck in my head and classic overthinker so then though and said she could tell she kind of you know got me out of that headspace actually in a pretty funny way she kind of grabbed me a little bit aggressively and was like hey snap out of it and um, and then I did and I did and we had a great time um you know and I hung out with her I don't know an hour or two or something like that and had a really, really good time. And it was a girl that didn't, she didn't live in Austin full time. She, uh, she had a place here. So she would spend time here in a handful of other cities. So she was going to be in town for another two or three days. And I ended up going back and seeing her. I went and saw her the next day. And then I went and saw her again, um, two days after that. So I saw her three times in the span of a week from the very first time that I went and saw an escort. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing the thing was was it was so much more it was so much richer and so much more dynamic than just having sex. It was you know, she was completely different than my wife. She talked to me, she listened to me. Um she was into all these interesting things and she had traveled the world and she had done all these things that, you know, I wasn't used to being around a woman that had done. She was, there was no judgment. You know, she thought, she thought I was great and she was very open about that. And she made me feel that way. You know, it was, I don't think that up to that point in my life that I had ever been with a woman that I felt that I felt so attractive with and 
it was just very, it was just constant, constant reassurance and constant compliments. And she was so interested to hear about my business and intrigued by what I did and just all these different things gave me constant compliments. And, and you could tell that they were, you know, at least I felt like they were very sincere. You didn't feel judged and you felt heard. You, know, you felt like Without, you mattered. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And it didn't seem, it didn't seem like they would, that she was putting effort into that. It seemed very, very real. And then anytime I saw her moving forward, we would pick up right where we left off. I mean, she was obviously listening and she wasn't, she wasn't taking notes. So, you know, I'd go see her and she'd say, Hey, how did that deal go? And did you get that new client? How was your trip to what, you know, such and such. And, you know, did your kid's team win the championship? And, you know, it was, so she was listening to me. She was really listening to me. And I can tell you that with my ex-wife, she not only did she not listen to me when I would talk about work, it was literally, she would say, I don't want to hear about this and it's boring. And, you know, she had no interest in knowing much about my professional life. As long, The only time she wanted to know what was going on at work is um, when we weren't making as much money as we wanted to be making. That was when all of a sudden what's going on at work became a conversation. But if I went home and shared my successes, um, it was almost just bothersome to her, which never really made any sense to me, but that's, that's how I felt. Well, so after you, you saw her these three times, did you know that this was something that you wanted to keep on doing? Yeah, it became something that then I decided I wanted to start, you know, trying, you know, other girls. And then, you know, when I realized how accessible they were in other towns as I would travel for work and go on a business trip and then usually see someone when I was on that trip. And then kind of, it was almost like, I don't know if dating is the right, but that's what it felt like to me because I'd never, you know, I'd never dated before with my ex-wife from the time I was in high school. So you know, kind of see the same kind of people. And then it turned into, you know, initially it was just kind of showing up at someone's house, hanging out for a certain amount of time. And then it became where we'd go to dinner and we'd hang out for extended periods of time, or we'd go do fun stuff, you know, normal dating type stuff. Like sometimes stuff like going to movies or going to plays or taking them places that they, you know, wanted to go. While while you were paying them for their time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you were just like, okay, this is just, this is just part of my life now. This is just how yeah. I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to get my, yeah. my sexual needs met. And, and, not just, yeah, not, and not just sexual needs, but also your need for closeness, affection, ab- companionship. Acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it made me feel very virile. You know that I was so, but, really wanted with your with your wife. So was it just kind of like you're coming home, going, "Hi, honey, I'm home." She's like, eh. and then y'all just had your separate lives. I mean, did y'all have did y'all socialize together? Did you do stuff at the kids' schools? Did you you know did y'all have a yeah. life together? We put of on the front. Yeah, we put on the front really well. You know that was part of it. I mean, I you know coached all the sports teams and. You know, she was the homeroom mom, and, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she was heavily, heavily involved in everything that the kids had, uh, 
everything the kids had going on. So, um, so yeah, we were nobody when we when we separated. It was the you know the big shock to everyone. It was the how could they how you know they thought that we had the that we had the good marriage. Now that said, we also you know we were not only were we young, but we were young to live the type of life that we live. You know, I mean, we're living in huge houses and driving brand new Mercedes and, and we're, you know, living next to people who have 10, 10, 12, 15 years on us in age. And they're not anywhere near as far along as we were. So it was, it was, we were, we were kind of that couple that, you know, the couple that, you know, all the wives hated her because she was younger than them and the husbands all, were jealous of me because I had the young hot wife and made more money than them. And, and we loved it. So when we were out and about, you know, going to little neighborhood barbecues and all that kind of stuff, I really enjoyed that because I had clout and I had stats in that environment. <laughs> the times that were bad was when I was home alone with her because we could go, mm. it was just, we were living a, I don't know, I want to say living a lie, but we were just putting on airs. Did y'all sleep in the same bed? Um, we did up until from the time that I went and saw uh, the first uh, escort. That was the last time I ever slept in bed with her. We had a guest house, and I came home that night and moved my stuff into the guest house. And I don't, I don't want to speak in absolutes. There was a couple of times where we tried to reconnect, um, and they you know, obviously didn't work, but um, – but yeah, to me, that was once I made that decision, because I was, you know, we were technically married for 16 years or te- technically together for 16 years. And I was faithful for 15 and three quarters. So I, once I made the decision to cheat on her, there was no going back for me. That just wasn't even a possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, with an escort, they're never talking to you about things that you don't want to talk about. It's all about you. You know, it's all about, it was always all about me. So versus a, a girlfriend wanting to talk to you about her roommate's friend's brother, you know, or like just like these stories of just things that I am like, I don't care about this person. Why are you talking to me about this person? This is, you know, just kind of the things that a boyfriend has to put up with that he doesn't want to have to put up with. Um, that doesn't happen with an escort. With an escort, the conversations are typically, it's not that they're not sharing parts of their life with you. But it almost seemed like the that it's just kind of all about it's all about you the whole time. It's just it's all about you. There was times where I preferred, like literally, would have preferred to spend time with an escort because it was just it was just more enjoyable. It was less you know, less nonsense. And I, and I tell you, and this is when I talk to some of my male friends about this, they seem to be the ones that are the most intrigued by this, but not one woman that I ever saw was not a very bright woman. They were always intelligent and had, you know, opinions and they were worldly and, you know, they, you know, were either into politics or, you know, there was always like, they were, they were intelligent women. And I think a lot of times people maybe assume that, you know, they're maybe, I don't know if lower class is the right way to put it, but that they probably just don't have much to offer other than being a, you know, other than being attractive. And that's just, 
I found that to be so far from uh, so far from the truth. Yeah, and that's something that I mean I know from from having been in that world, being an escort, that one thing that made me exceptional was my age because I was older than a lot of the women. But one thing well, that was not exceptional was that I was intelligent and well traveled, well read, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like that was pretty common. <laughs> and I think a lot of people think that women are escorts because they don't have anything else to offer. And well, and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of escorts that I saw were the type of woman that even though they certainly had some clients that it was, you know, show up and we're going to have sex, a lot of them are going to events. You know, they're going to galas. They're, you know, they're going, you can take them around your clients. You can, you can, you know, show them off and you can walk away from them. And I've done this many times, but you can, you know, be at an event whether it's a dinner or it's a big fancy black tie party and you can walk away from them and leave them with your, with whoever the group, you know, you can leave to go to the bathroom and you don't have to sit there and think, Oh my God, you know, I'm going to be so embarrassed when I get back because she's, you know, she's a moron and, or, you know, they're going to be able to tell or any of those things. I mean, they just are, they're very polished women. They're very, they're intelligent. They're very secure. They know who they are. And again, I mean, and I, I, you know, I think I've told you before, but I never really, I never saw a woman more than once that was young. There might have been a couple of times that I saw women that were in their early 20s, but the majority of the women that I saw were, um, were in their, uh, you know, mid, 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 mid 30s, and then sometimes older than that. Yeah, it's not what people think. Regular. I'm not going to say regular. I'm going to say um, intelligent, thoughtful, introspective people populate this industry, whether they're clients or whether they're escorts. It's just it's just another world, and it's been and it's not been well represented on on television or in in any of the media. And I think because people have a hard time comprehending that a woman can be sexually confident, intelligent, and make a choice to do something like this because a lot of people misunderstand women's sexuality, you know, and think that sex is something a man does to a woman. So, oh my God, why would you, why would you do that for a living? Why would you put up with, with people just pawing all over you and doing things to you, you know, and that's, people just have these really crazy outdated ideas about sex and women. Well, for sure. And I think that a lot of people think that the way it works is the guy walks in and he kicks the door in and the girl's laying on the bed naked and then the guy jumps on top of her. And, you know, it's, and it's like, I think that what a, what a lot of women don't necessarily understand, I think, about men is that, you know, men are a lot more sensitive and emotional. And the things that go through our heads are, you know, we question ourselves a lot. And a lot of it is sexually based stuff. And, and that's until you get comfortable. But, you know, the first time a man has sex with a woman or the first time I have sex with a woman, I'm not even I'm not as present as I would like to be because I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm minding my manners, you know, that I'm not doing anything that she doesn't want me to do. And I'm trying to, you know, is she responsive to this and is she responsive to that? And it's not it's not about me. It's not about, you know, me, you know. Just it's it's just it's not as about me I think as a lot of people or a lot of women might look at that whole thing and and yeah and what you said too I mean the general the general perception or the public perception of 
I don't think that a lot of people, and, and again, my experience has been with you're not right. spending, you know, a thousand plus dollars, you're not going to get any of their time. Um, and so obviously my experience is with a much different, you know, because I've talked to some buddies that, you know, they'll find girls through, you know, Craigslist or something like that. And they're, you know, they're not, it's, they're, and so they're like, yeah, it was terrible. She, she was gross and didn't look like her pictures and so on and so forth. And that's just not. You know, that, that's not what I experienced. I that is definitely that, an industry where you get what you pay for. I mean, that is definitely, yeah. it's a very literal industry. Yeah. Because you want to have a woman who has good self-esteem that's worth. Those are the, just like any yeah. business, you want to spend time with people who, who know their worth. Absolutely. You said a couple of really interesting things that, that I'm, I'm wondering how in your in your life now that you're, you're dealing with because you said seeing an escort and is not like having a girlfriend that you found that it was it was more enjoyable because the focus was on you so how do you translate that into your personal life well you know do you think that's real i mean do you think that that's how how women well i'm, I'm gonna let you answer i'll just i'll just let you answer well you know the thing is is you know i i i became friends with, you know, with a, with a handful of girls that I saw, and, you know, where you're kind of texting back and forth. And this is, you know, this is after kind of to the point to where sometimes it's, I'm not going to see them anymore because now I'm actually their friend and I would just feel weird. You know what I mean? Right. I've had that. Yeah, I had that for sure. And, and those women started to really kind of counsel me, not directly, but they would tell me things about myself that maybe weren't so great. And things about my perception that maybe women wouldn't enjoy. And then also making me feel confident enough that if I'm with a woman that does a handful of things that I don't like, that I need to just kind of have the gut, uh, you know, to let them know what's going on that I don't like. And then if that's not something that immediately is going to change, to be able to politely walk away from the situation. And so I think that I gained a lot of confidence. And I think that at a certain point, and it's been years since uh, since I saw an escort, and I, you know, and to be very honest, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it again. I could very well. I could get a little bit older and decide that that's, you know, that's my thing again. Um, but I think that for one, for me, my relationship goals changed. I mean, now I, you know, I know earlier in the interview, I, you know, said that I didn't think I'd ever get married again. That that said, I really hope that I do because I would like to be building a life with, with one woman. And so now when I date, if, you know, as soon as I figure out that that's not someone that I could marry, even if I'm still having lots of fun with them, I go ahead and, you know, excuse myself from the situation because I'm not trying to waste their time or my time. Wow. That's really mature. Well, I'm, I'm learning <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> I mean, that is a very mature attitude because a lot of men will use women as placeholders. And I'm not saying women don't do that because they do, but they, a lot of men will wait until their relationship runs at course or they, or course or they start doing things to purposely piss off the woman or just stop caring so that she'll break up. And <laughs> I see that well, and I've heard about that a lot. <laughs> What I notice is when I start becoming less response, like to text, let's say text messages, when I wake up in the morning and I have a text from a girl that I'm dating and my immediate 
feeling is not to respond, but it's kind of bothersome where I'm like, you know what, I'm late for work and I got to get on the phone and I haven't checked my emails. That's when I, you know, that's when I excuse myself from the situation because it's, you know, I tend to go pretty hot and heavy and sometimes maybe to my own peril. But I think that one of the reasons, I think that the way I call it is manic dating. I'll, you know, if I date a girl for 90 days, I'll see her more times than some guys would see a girl dating her for a year. And I call it flushing out the crazy. I want them to figure out who I really am, and I want to figure out who they really are as quickly as I possibly can. So if we're not right for each other, that we can get past all the initial, get our masks off, and figure out who the other person actually is. And with myself, I'm always trying to figure out what their motive is. You know, I'm trying to, you know, do they, are they wanting me to take care of them financially? Um, you know, am I going to get into another situation? You know, what, what women say, they, you know, they, I have no interest in having more children. And so if I'm dating a woman that doesn't have children, that's kind of the thing that I'm focused on the most is, does she really not want to have children? Or, you know, is this going to turn into a deal where I marry her and then she tells me that to be happy, she has to have kids, and which is, you know, a huge, huge fear of mine. But yeah, I mean, I guess in short, I'm just, I have learned to be more honest about things. It's for myself, though. I'm not doing it to appease or to do what's, you know, to do what's right for the person I'm dating. I'm doing it just out of self-preservation because I really just don't want to, I don't want to waste my time or anybody else's, but I'm certainly doing it, you know, I'm certainly doing it for me. You know, any of us, that's all we do is, is we do things for ourselves. We have to. Right. We have yeah. to, and um, you know, and in your doing that, in your taking care of yourself, you're also honoring that other person, you know, because you're not bullshitting around. You're like, yeah, this is me. This is this, these are things I expect, and then you can let someone go. And yeah, I'm sure you piss a lot of people off too, because a lot of people don't like honesty. They don't. They say they do, and then as soon as you're honest, they get that's that's the very thing that they criticize. Well, and I, you know, I certainly am not. I'm not telling women like, Hey, it's, it's you. It's not me. I mean, I kind of make excuses and, you know, try to, you know, put a little bit of lipstick on it to where I, you know, just kind of, it's funny. One of the things that I'll say is that I'm still hung up on my ex. And what I've learned is that's the one thing you can say to a woman that will, she's that, that will make women run. They're not going to tell you, please, let's try to work it out and I can change. And you tell them that you're hung up on someone else you used to be with that typically, you know, women, run the other direction so I often try to say that but and it's just because you know it's it's that's even better than saying you think you're gay because they might even still think that they can change you but if you say that you're hung up hung up on your ex they uh, no woman wants to deal with that so and no, again, especially the mother I, of your children oh god yeah exactly hey I have four you know four kids with this beautiful woman and I think I'm still in love with her and you can hear their hear their tires squealing as they drive out of the out of your driveway but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'm just trying not to hurt I mean I don't want to hurt anybody and it's and it's kind of it's a passive way it's like one of my buddies says he's like you're a sissy you know he's like I just tell these girls right out of the gate like yeah you know you know I think you're shady or and I'm just like I don't there's no need to if I'm not going to be with someone there's no need for me to kind of underwrite how they live their life you know, they can do whatever they want. So, and it's, 
You know, I don't, I don't want to be judged, and I don't want anyone else to feel judged. But it really is just a path of least resistance. I'm just trying to get out of the deal and move on down the road. We've covered so much, and, and you've been so, so, so honest. I can tell that you've thought a lot about this. And you're an introspective person, obviously. But if you, after all the experiences that you've had, if you could tell women one or two things about men, what would those be? And then also I want to ask you, in addition to that, like just one or two things that like you and your, and your buddies talk about that you're like, oh, I wish women knew this or I wish I could, I could get women to understand this. But then also something that you personally think that women need to know. So that's really two questions. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's funny. I mean, you know, like the, 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 the cliches of life that as you grow, grow older that you're like, wow, that really is what's true. And wow, that really is what's true. Um, I, sex for men and not all men, I know some men are just, you know, scumbags, but sex for most men, in my opinion, is so much more than just sex. It's, it's how we connect. It's how we feel. It's, you know, sex feels good, right? But it's how we feel. It's what we do to feel good. It's what it, it makes a man feel virile. It makes a man feel like a man. And, and I think the thing for me, and this is kind of the same thing, but it's also kind of not, is we all deal with rejection. And, and when I'm talking, you know, you know, successful men deal with a level of rejection on a daily basis that is just, just inherent with business, right? Whether you're talking to your investors or if you're in sales and you've just got clients saying no or whatever the case may be. But when you love someone and they're telling you no all the time about the one thing that you really need from them, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, really, it's, it's really, really difficult. It's really difficult. And it's, it's become taboo for a man to say, like a, a, a woman can say, I'm not going to have sex with a man and that's completely accepted. But for a man to say, you not having sex with me, I'm not okay with that. It's almost like that's, like that's, that's unheard of and it's just taboo and it's so, you know, unrealistic and unfair. And because I guess like sex is, it is so intrusive or I don't, I don't think that's the right word to use. I know you know what I'm saying, but you know, sex is a man being inside a woman and that's a big deal. But that said, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair for women to not understand that it's something that they need to get outside their comfort zone. If they really want their man to be happy they need to make the concessions necessary for him to be happy. And if, if that means that sex, you know, is something that he wants frequently, well, if you don't want him to have what he wants, then let him go. You know, if, if, if what's important to him doesn't jump right to the forefront of your mind of this is what this man I love wants and needs, so I'm going to do everything I need to do to make him happy, You can't expect, it's it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Well, what comes first, the connection that you want to be comfortable having sex or to be having sex so he's able to make the connection that you need him to make. And and, and what society has taught us is that it's 
it's the first. It's never the latter. If you need to, she needs to feel comfortable and she needs to feel this and she needs to feel this and then she'll be comfortable enough to have sex with you. And what's funny is that's what a marriage, that's what therapists and marriage counselors say. It's never about, you know, telling the woman, hey, just take one for the team. It's always about what the man needs to do differently for the woman to be comfortable, you know, and want to have sex. And it's, you know, I know I kind of keep apologizing for my mindset and you've, you know, told me many times that's not what the point of this is, but that, that, that to me is really, that's really where it is. It never has made sense to me of why is one more important than the other? Why, why do I have to do what you want me to do before you're going to do what I want you to do? And it just doesn't, at the end of the day, it's one of the few things in life that's so, you know, so widely accepted as just being, you know, just being how it works. Well, it's as I was talking about earlier, it's why our culture um, has a difficult time understanding why an intelligent, attractive, emotionally together woman would ever be a prostitute. It's because people do not understand women's sexuality. And so I think that it's accepted, what you're talking about is acceptable because people act like women don't want to have sex, that women don't have sexual desires, that that's why it's like you have to coax her into it. And that is where that attitude comes from. And I feel like that attitude is very sexist. Like I know some people hearing this would think that what you're saying is sexist, but what I think the opposite is sexist, assuming that a woman has to be coaxed into sex is insane because that means that what you're saying is that then women don't have sexual desire. Like only bad girls wanted sex. You know, so women didn't want to be bad girls. They wanted to be good girls because then good girls get married and have children and right. bad girls right. are looked down upon. Like I, I mean, I agree with what you said. In, in some ways I do. In other ways, you know, I don't because I feel like there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. But, but the way that I do agree with you, it's like you mentioned the word safety. Safety, it's like it's my job to make mm-hmm. me feel safe and to make me feel comfortable. I'm not going to look right. outside of myself to a man to make me feel safe. That's well, bullshit. Like That's giving over my power. Making, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not doing says, that. You're not making me feel sexy. It's like I don't have the power to make you feel anything. Now, I'm not saying I can't add to it, but it's kind of like, and I can't remember who I heard this from, but somebody told me one day when I said, what you're doing is making me sad. And they're like, I don't have control. Nothing I do can make you anything, you know, that you're, you're making your own decision on how this impacts you. And nobody really has the power to make somebody feel any certain way. You get to choose your feelings. That's one of my sayings that I tell women. You get to choose your feelings. You get to choose how you feel about this. Right. You know, and, and I, I talk about that like because as, you know, working as an escort, like really I'm going to count on these, you know, these men that I was seeing, these strangers, they're virtual strangers, I'm going to count on them to make me feel safe. Right. That doesn't even make sense. So you can apply <laughs> no, that doesn't. to, you know, your own personal. Like, I'm not, as a woman, I'm not willing to give over my power to somebody to make me feel safe. Now, right. uh, there is definitely a chemistry thing, though, where I can feel 
turned on and sexy by being with somebody because I'm willing to open myself in that way. For sure. You know. You know, and then things. So me that's what, so I know that's what you're talking. Yeah, I feel like that's what you're talking about. You're like, wow, hey, why is all the burden on me as a man? And it's it's because we've gotten it backwards. We've got we've exactly. thwarted women's sexuality. Like either no. we're shamed or we're feared. Or both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think? So is that something that you, I know we, we've covered a lot here, and I know we, we, we both uh, need to, to scoot, but is there anything else that we, that we haven't covered that you want to say? Do you have really, any advice you know, for women? And it, this will sound a little curt, but if you don't want to sleep with your husband, let him go sleep with other people. I mean, to me, that's the easiest solution. And why it doesn't just work that way, that's something that never really fit in my head. It's kind of like, well, if I want to have sex and you don't want to have sex, then why do you care if I have sex with someone else? Which, granted, that's right. not how society works, and that's not something that I think is ever going to happen. But, I mean, and the thing is, too, is it's not just, it's not the act. You know, it's not the act of penetration. It's not the act of having an orgasm. It's so much deeper than that for men. And I think that a lot of times when you're in a, when you're in a marriage where you're, you know, being told no all the time, then you kind of seem like this little hard up, you know, like a little puppy. So then that's what it becomes. So then when you do get thrown a bone, then it maybe is like that. Maybe then it's not very intimate. You know, I can remember times when my wife would kind of turn her back to me in bed and say, fine, just get it over with. And that's not to say that I didn't ever do that, but man, talk about, talk about something that's not very fulfilling and that literally just makes you feel worse. Yeah. Like you might as well be masturbating. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's when you're masturbating because who you're with won't have sex with you. That's even worse. You know, that's like, it's 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 just like a it's a means to an end and it's not it's not even enjoyable because once you get once you get that thought in your head it's um there's really no point to even even doing it at least that's how it was for me pretty interesting conversation huh thanks so much for joining me i'll see you next time Thanks for listening. Mary will be back next week with another great show that will guide you into love. For more information on coaching with Mary at lovemagnetcoaching.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.